ACASTCAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life and football are very similar. Without an identity, you will not achieve your ultimate prize. Defense wants championships. Pride and passion meet success. You gotta love what you do. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to a new edition of the East West Football Podcast. I am Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me, like always, Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley. And tonight we have a special guest, former Super Bowl champion with the Seattle Seahawks, Robert Turbin. Thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm hyped. I'm juiced. I'm I'm excited to be on y'all podcast, man. Looks like uh looks like y'all got a good thing going on. We yeah, we, gotta, we gotta give a round of applause, man, for for any Super Bowl champion that comes on. So let's hear it. How it was when we were at the Super Bowl, right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we want to hear about it. So, Fidel, take yeah. it away. All right. So, let's get right into it. Robert, just what have you been up to lately? Yeah, man, I got a lot of different things going on. Definitely keep myself uh, busy. I feel like I live on planes, you know, that's kind of the entrepreneurship life and just keeping busy. Uh, but, uh, you know, my main goals now that I'm done playing football are in broadcasting, you know, and so I made my debut on NFL network a couple weeks ago, and I've been doing a lot of radio stuff with Sirius XM, uh, ESPN, uh, you know, and, uh, I'm broadcasting all the Seahawks games in the fall. I started that last year. And so we getting geared up to do it again this year as training camp has gotten started and everything like that, you know, I'm going to be in Seattle with bunch. Uh, and so, you know, obviously, um, I also have a, a foundation where I'm, you know, hosting a bunch of charity events in my hometown, grew up in Fremont, California, and I went to school at Utah State, you know, so I do spend some time in that community as well down in Logan, Utah, giving back to the community is a big thing for me, man. So, you know, a combination of those things, plus some entrepreneurship stuff that I do on the side, definitely keeping your boy busy. Yeah, so let's let's talk about a little bit the about the transition for you as far as you being a player and going into, the, you know, being an analyst. Yeah, man. You know, my second year in the league, um, I got an opportunity with this radio station, Cube 93, to host my own show. And it was called the, uh, what do we call it? We call it the Turbo Show. And I would do it every Tuesday nights on our day off. And it was cool, man. Got to talk to the fans, right? They call in, uh, was able to bring some of my teammates into the studio as special guests and everything like that, you know. And I always... Like, I don't know, I was always with the microphone and uh, I always enjoyed like interviewing people like Bobby Wagner and I went to college together, man. And, mm-hmm. you know, I used to just mess around and interview him all the time. You know, you know, how you take your phone and just put it to somebody, you know what I mean? And so uh, I, I got into it um, later, later on in my career. When I went to Indy, I was a co-host for this TV show called Sports Locker that we would host after every home game on Sundays. And so. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to go the media route, 
per se, because the word media just kind of makes me feel a little sticky. But I definitely wanted to do something in television, something in entertainment. Um, but the transition, you know, like I got things going on now, which is cool. You know, I mean, listen, I'm broadcasting and I'm doing some some cool stuff and I'm, and I'm, and I'm meeting some great people. and I get to work with some great people. But that doesn't mean the transition was easy. You know what I'm saying? The transition is very difficult and it's very difficult for a number of reasons. You know, a lot of a lot of us players, most of us players, I'll even say when it's time to leave the game, it's not really on our own terms. You know, we don't we're, we're, we're not ready or it's a, it's an injury or it's a contract or whatever it is. And um, that can be very difficult uh, for a lot of guys. It was very difficult for me. And it wasn't so much that, uh, you know, a lot of times it's like, you know, people assume like either you're incapable of doing other things outside of football or you don't know what you want to do when you're done. And that's why it's really important to identify that as soon as you can while you're in your career. Your, your career. And I've mm-hmm. kind of made it my mission now that I've gone through some down days, uh, particularly uh, during the transition phase. Uh, to be a voice for those coming up after me so that they don't have to go through those, uh, you know, similar things that I went through as I was transitioning. And for me, you know, I gave you a couple of examples of, you know, what happens during the transition or why. For me, it wasn't the fact that I didn't have the ability or the capabilities to do other things. Uh, It was more so that I wasn't ready. I didn't want to. I wanted to train. I wanted to continue to work hard and get on the field and uh, prepare as if, uh, you know, I was going to get an opportunity to play again, you know, and that can be a good thing, but can also be a bad thing because you're staying ready. You know, you see a guy like Eric Weddle get signed out of nowhere after being retired for a year, right? You see it all the time. Um, But the negative aspect of it is, You know, you spend a year, year and a half, two years even sometimes, right, hoping to get another opportunity where you could have spent those two years getting involved into another, you know, entity, another business, you know, building Mm -hmm. your your career in something else, right, gaining experience uh, in other ventures and things like that. Uh, And that's where a lot of the mistakes come from for us. And it's very hard to cope with and get over it was very hard for me you know uh i'm not ashamed to say that i had to go to therapy mm-hmm. and i had to talk to somebody about my next move you know uh and, and not necessarily about the next move but about getting over what i had just done since i was 10 years old you know yeah. 20 years of my life i've been a football player when i introduce myself to people i'm robert turban i play football you know and now i don't have that you know, identity alongside of me anymore, you know? And so, you know, for a while you kind of don't recognize yourself. You're trying to figure out who you are. Uh, and I was grateful enough to have some people in my life to say, Hey man, what you, 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 you still turbo, man. What are you talking about? You know, you don't have to have a, uh, uh, you know, a pig skin in your hands, uh, just to, you know, just to have an identity, you know? And so once I was able to get over that with some help, man, things have been moving and they've been moving great. God has been good. And, uh, you know, the juices are flowing. 
Yeah, no, man, that's great. And for anybody watching or listening, if you're kind of like in that stage, like, you know, like maybe football, you can't be playing football due to injuries or whatever, you know, the case may be. I think it's very, you know, what you said is very important about, you know, seeking help and, you know, being able to talk to other people. So I just wanted to bring up that's a really excellent point for any young player out there that's you know going through some issues, you know, maybe they're not able to play the game anymore due to injury or, or whatever else uh, they might be going through. But yeah, let's go ahead and talk to, about not to cut you off, but this is an important point that I want to make because my advice to the younger generation that's playing ball right now is, you know, when you, when you're able to make it to the professional level, you have an enormous platform um, at your fingertips. And if you utilize it correctly, the transition can become much easier. What do I mean by utilize it correctly? Well, I'll give you an example of two guys that I play with, you know, Bobby Wagner, and Tyler Lockett. I'll start with Bobby. I remember having a conversation with Bobby. We were on the phone. This might have been like 2017 or something like that. And we're in the off season. And uh, he says, you know, we're, you know, just small talk. What's up? What's going on? You know, he says, uh, he says, not much, man. I'm at the office. And so when 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 he said that, I'm thinking, you know, he's at the facility. He probably just got done getting a workout in or whatever the case may be. I said, Oh, you at the facility, huh? Getting your work. And he said, nah, man, I'm actually, um, actually just partnered with a venture capital company. And so two to three days a week, I come into the office and I work. And he said, I got two jobs. And I said, wow. You know, I sat back and I thought about it. I said, man, that's amazing. You're talking about a guy who's a future hall of famer who has contractually, done well for himself in the NFL, but he's got two jobs. Tyler Lockett, the other example that I want to use, sold his first home as a real estate agent probably about four months ago from now. He's still in the prime of his career as as a wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. But that's the blueprint. That's what I mean, like preparing yourself for the transition. You can have two jobs. See, as ball players, we feel like football is the only thing that we have time for, and it's not. In the offseason, you can only train for so many hours, right? Four, five hours, maybe if you want to include some PT, massage, whatever it is. But what are you doing the rest of the day to utilize that time? And that's really where the importance of helping your transition whenever it happens comes into play. You can have two jobs. And uh, that's the message that I, that I that I send to young players now. Yeah, that's a great message. Hey, Robert, I just want to get your thoughts on the NFL offseason. Obviously, it's been one of the most craziest offseasons that, you know, that I can remember as far as, you know, there's been a lot of turnover, including with your former Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, Russell Wilson is no longer there. He was traded to the Denver Broncos. Just want to get your thoughts on the offseason. Man, what a, what an off season it's been! You know, it's it, yeah. it's it's great for like spectators like us, right? You get to see all the movements. Usually, you only see stuff like this in the NBA. <laughs> you know, all those moving parts and trades, and so it's been an interesting off season, though. And um, you know, I thought the draft for for most teams was great. It was a lot of great value in the draft this year. You know, one of the better drafts that we've had uh, in a long time. But this this off season, you know, not to you know, highlight any one particular team, but it was certainly, uh, it was certainly interesting uh, to witness. And you were almost at the edge of your seats to figure out when the next move was coming and where guys are going to get signed. And it makes the NFL fun. 
And I know there's not a winner. Well, I guess there is a winner and loser in the offseason, right? But that doesn't count to wins. But if you had to pick a team that you think really helped themselves out this offseason, who do you think that would be? There are so many teams that helped themselves out this season, Fidel, honestly. I mean, you, you, I mean, you think about the entire AFC West. You know, you can pick you can pick any team. You say, hey, Denver's going to win AFC West. The Chargers are going to win AFC West. The Chief, you can pick any of those four teams and you have a legitimate argument uh, because of how they were able to improve their teams. Uh, you know, I'd say probably one of the biggest losers would be the Chicago Bears because you look at their their team and their draft and they really didn't do much to help Justin Fields um, at all. They made a late trade for Nikhil Harry from the Patriots, but, you know, he hasn't been great in that system, right? So we'll see how that shakes out. But, um, you know, listen, you mentioned Russell Wilson to the Broncos. A lot of people really feel like a quarterback was the missing piece of that team. Good defense, good defensive line, secondary. Offensively, they got a great old line. And we know what kind of weaponry they have at the receiving core as well. Now they have a Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl champion quarterback and Russell Wilson, a guy who can make plays back there who's been in big games. Uh, and so you look at the Denver Broncos with that, with that addition, and uh, they're looking really dangerous this season. Robert, my last question, I'll let Kendall and Jerry chime in after. So Jimmy Garoppolo passed his physical yesterday for the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Shanahan came out and said, hey, this is Trey Lance's team. What do you think is going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because there's a team in that division that might have an opening for a starting quarterback, and that, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks. Right, right. It'll be interesting to see uh, not what happens to Jimmy, but when. Um, and teams are going to do their due diligence. They're going to want to maybe work him out and see how well his shoulder is doing. You know, one of the inconsistencies in Jimmy's game has been his accuracy, right? Especially in the bigger games, especially in those playoff games. I think in his playoff career, he's four touchdowns, six interceptions, not to get statistical on you because I'm not really a stats guy, but those are the facts, you know? And those are due to his inaccuracies and stuff like that. And so, but he is a winner at the same time. Like he, he has the ability to get you there. And if you have enough surrounding talent around him, uh, he can certainly, in my opinion, get it done. So if you're the Seattle Seahawks, I think you're interested for sure. Uh, If you're the 49ers, you might be a little hesitant because you're talking about, you know, an individual who's, very smart you know he don't need a contract that says he needs to study for a certain amount of hours so he knows what the hell he's doing out there jimmy garoppolo knows what he's doing out there and so if you send him to the seahawks he's going he's going to let the seahawks know everything about your about your offense if you're kyle shanahan that's scary but i think an intriguing team to me that hasn't really been talked about in the jimmy garoppolo conversations like we knew about the panthers they wouldn't got baker we know about the texans potentially being interested but I think the New York Giants uh could be a team Jimmy Garoppolo ends up playing for especially if Daniel Jones uh doesn't pan out to be what they hope him to be excellent point thanks Robert hey Robert appreciate you joining us man first off and that was a great opening piece by you I mean great that was a great opening um piece by you the opening set there and I want to get into DK Metcalf. What you what you think of of his holdout right on right now? Well, I won't say a holdout because he's at count, but you know it's not right. his contract. Yeah, they call it a hold in. <laughs> yeah, they call it a hold in. Listen, if the Seahawks want to keep him, they got to pay him. 
and he deserves to get paid something, you know, and uh, he probably wants to get paid like one of the top receivers in the league. You know, don't know if he's one of the top receivers in the league, but he's probably, you know, top 10 or whatever the case may be. Now, if you look at their roster, I mean, offensively, he's probably got the most value, you know, outside of uh, of maybe the, the offensive tackle that they just drafted. I'm just talking about as far as skill position is concerned. He's your guy. You know, you still got Tyler, but he's aging. And you look at the rest of that receiving core and you know you got some good players, some guys that still need to prove themselves. DK has proved himself, you know. Um, and so the Seahawks are going to have to figure that out uh, because in order for them to have to continue the trajectory that they're on, which I believe that they're on a trajectory right now because I think they got a good young team. Now, they're not going to get anywhere this year. But I think people really need to look out for the Seahawks coming up in 23, 24. They're going to be really dangerous. And DK Metcalf is a huge part of that. Huge piece. Interesting that you're talking about the years beyond. I want to get to Pete Carroll. How many more years do you see him coaching in Seattle? We're just coaching it. Coaching Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good, that's a good question right there, man. Because Pete, he's got that fountain of youth. You know, he's right. got that fountain of youth. Um, what are we in? We're in 22. I would, I think, I think Pete, I think Pete is going to coach at least another five seasons, including this one. Wow. Including this one. So you got 22, 23, 24, 25 might be it. 26 for show. I think he'll, he'll hang it. He'll hang it up after that. I checked the age. He's, He's 70 right now. Uh, September fifteenth is his birthday, so he'll be seventy-one. He'll be seventy-one. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think. Yeah, I think he'll coach. I think he'll coach. I can see him coach until he's like, till he's about seventy-five. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I wouldn't. You know, he'll be like the Dick LeBeau of the of the Seahawks. You know <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't yes. put it past him, man. He's still moving around well, and he's still chewing that gum too. He's still chewing that gum, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but I, but the the only reason why I say that is because listen, they got a young core. To me, once they figure out the quarterback spot there and, and the cornerback spot too, because they need somebody yeah. who can shut down. They're gonna make a nice run for the Super Bowl over the next three or four seasons. Like not this season, next season. Good quarterback draft class. That's why they don't really care. It's like, man, listen. If we, you know, end up having a high draft pick, we win. I think they'll win at least seven games. Man, they'll they'll find some nice value at the quarterback position in the draft. Um, you never know what's gonna happen in free agency. Right, but. They're, they're not that far away. And then, listen, I mean, they can go get Jimmy Garoppolo right now. If they go get Jimmy Garoppolo right now, I put I them second in the NFC West. Easy. Right. Over the 49ers and the Cardinals. First of all, you got a quarterback who don't study in Arizona. <laughs> and you got another quarterback in San Francisco who we don't know what we're going to get from him. <laughs> I, think, I think the 49ers, honestly, are making a mistake by letting Jimmy Garoppolo walk this season. This season only. The future yeah. belongs to Trey. This season, though, they need Jimmy. Don't tell don't tell 49er fans I said that though, because the last time I said that, they got on Twitter and they was F bombing me and telling me <laughs> that I don't know what I'm talking about and all types of shit. So hey man, well, they're probably uh watching right now, but look, 
probably more than half feel the same way you do. I, you know, I did get a couple. I get, I did get a couple that were agreeing with me. But I will say, I have to admit, the majority rule for Trey Lance for show, like they were not, and I just couldn't understand it for the life of me. I'm like, how can you not? Like, I understand he didn't get it done in the playoffs. You were just in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But you don't know what you got until it's gone. I think the 49 right. fans are a little bit high maintenance. Maybe that's not the right word to use. No, Maybe spoiled right. is a better word to use. <laughs> a little bit spoiled because I'll tell you right now, this boy Jimmy Garoppolo is leaving. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is the NFL, bro. This is not Wyoming or wherever the hell Trey Lance played. Okay. Appreciate it, Robert. We're gonna ball. Before before we move in, we got a viewer. We got a viewer chiming in. How about Kenneth Walker the third as, as probably running back one? And what do you think of the Seahawks draft overall post Russ? Kenneth Walker the third will be RB two to start the season. Um, is that me? My bad. Are oh, you good, man? Yeah, you're good. It, no, uh, uh, Kenneth Walker the third will be RB two to start the season. Uh, I think the Seahawks will give Rashad Penny, especially the way that he finished the season last year, every opportunity to be the RB number one and and, and sustain at the RB number one. Uh, but it, you know, listen, any any little ankle, any you know anything, we know that he's had injury issues over his career, but he's a great back. But I think that I know how the Seahawks move, and they're gonna they're gonna push Kenneth to eventually be RB number one before the end of the season, for sure. And then as far as the draft is concerned, I thought they had a great draft. They they addressed the left tackle position with Charles Cross. Here's a guy that you're going to be able to have over the next 15 years uh, at that spot. Uh, so they got some good quality players in the draft. I, I like the direction the Seahawks are headed in right now. You know, I'll say this: you 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 kind of took a lot of the questions that I was already ready to ask you, right? Uh, but you, you, your football knowledge is is insane. I love uh, how you understand the team building concept. So let's kind of go in that direction. But before before we kind of go in there, you know, I, I want to ask you as a former running back yourself. It looks like the league is kind of kind of been putting running backs, you know, at the back end, you know what I mean? Like now, you know, for whatever reason, you know, a running back is not, I guess, a first rounder or, you know, is not the most important position. Right. And obviously we understand, right. Cause what the quarterbacks are, are making is insane at this point, but what would you say would be a great thing for future running backs or these young running backs for them to be able to get as much success out of the league as they can? Yeah. Great question. Uh, for me, you know, it, it, you guys play Madden growing up, right? Hey, so, yes, we know, did. I still I do. To, yeah. Right. And so I used to, um, I used to get on Madden, create a player. And when you created a player and I used to always do running back, cause it was always my dream to play running back always. And when I would create a player, right, when you create a player, you get the option of a speed back, a power back, and a balance back, right? Yeah. Is it still like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. If not, they're yeah. like, it's, well, it's, it's more. They like, tweaked it a little bit. They, they I'm about to say, they probably done tweaked it now. Well, they, they, they've defined it. They've yeah. really defined it. You know, yeah. 
Okay. Out of all of us, Kendall's the Madden player right here. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they really so, they've really defined each one, right? So it's right. crazy how right, right. And so I would always pick balanced because I always wanted to be a combination of both speed and power. And so what I always prided my game on is you know, people would ask me, what kind of what kind of background? What's your style? I don't, I don't, I don't really, I'm a, I'm an all everything. I'm an, I'm an every down back because I can run the ball uh, between the tackles and I have the speed to go outside. I can catch the ball out of the backfield. I can line up in the slot and run a route. Um, I can pass protect. Uh, and so, you know, with the way that the league is going right now, you want to be like, okay, obviously you're going to, be you know listen not everybody's gonna have the capability to do everything but you want to be able to work your game uh for you to be able to do as much as you can from the backfield so that's running the ball with power speed definitely catching the ball out of the backfield uh, because that's what teams are kind of leaning towards right now you got to be able to make plays out of the backfield catch the football you see a guy like Najee Harris is huge, right? And he can pound a rock and he can make guys miss. But where the cherry on top is for him is his ability to win one-on-one matchups in the passing game. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't think Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball to anybody more than Najee Harris. You look at a guy like Alvin Kamara, same way, CMC up in Carolina. Uh, so you want to have some diversity to your game as you're coming up uh, as a young running back, if you just focus on running the ball, you're wrong. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, now you got wide receivers that are, you know, chiming in and, and and trying, I guess, not taking the spotlight, but they're taking some carries away now too. I mean, Debo is probably one of the most notable. Now all teams that looks like are looking for another Debo Samuel. So that's always great advice to get. And especially from somebody who played running back, in the NFL. Um, so let, let's kind of get, let's get, let's kind of get one more question as far as you personally, uh, how was your Super Bowl experience? I mean, if you could just, I mean, allow us to imagine it, how was it? What were the feelings, yeah. especially after afterwards, man? I mean, when you know, you, you want. yeah, no, listen, I've talked about this when I was a young kid. Um, I always, I guess, fantasized, for lack of a better word, about New York City, Broadway, the Mm -hmm. lights. I was always attracted to just bright lights. My Twitter handle used to say, you know, you give your location. It used to say uh, big games and bright lights, you know. Now it says airplanes and back streets. But uh, (laughs) and. And so, you know, like, man, like movies like Home Alone 2 and shit like that, like, you know, I'm like, man, like one, I just, I want to go to New York one day, you know, always fantasize about that. And so for my first experience to be, for my first New York City experience to be the Super Bowl was like, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't have written it out any better than that for me i mean you're talking about a young kid fantasizing about new york city never been there always wanted to go it was lit up more than it normally is because of because of the super bowl man so uh it was just it was just an amazing an amazing experience like 
I mean, we could, we just, we, like, listen, we were just invincible that night. You know what I mean? Like, after the game, you want to talk about after the game, you know, listen, I got, like, 14-year-old nephew hopping up, you know, rolling with me in the club, not even getting checked or nothing. You know what I'm saying? We mobbing, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, we could do, we was just doing whatever. You know, New York was was super lit. It was, it was uh, one of the most memorable nights that I could ever, uh, that I could ever have in my life, man. From winning a game to being with my family, to going out that night to the plane ride back to Seattle after some things I can't disclose as, as far as what was going on and shit like that. But it was, it was, it was lit in that, you know, and I'll leave it at that for sure. Hey man, but congratulations. I mean, not everybody can say, you know, Super Bowl champion and you, can say Super Bowl champion. Hey, Robert, Robert, you are talking about your experience, the first Super Bowl against the Broncos, right? Mm-hmm. The first okay. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you're a Patriots fan over there, man. <laughs> just, just you know, listen, I, <laughs> hey, you, you know what's funny is is um, we don't we don't take no, like, as players, you know how, you know how normally, like, like for 49er fans, right, they, they a little salty with us because <laughs> You know, we were in some dog fights in the playoffs. Yeah. For real. We were in some yeah, dog yeah. fights in the playoffs, and we came out on top, right? Yeah. That game was a dog fight, but as players, we don't even – we like, man, man, congratulations, bro, because we couldn't – we did everything we could as players. That's that's how we feel. We not even – like the, 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 the loss hurts, but it would have hurt it, – it, it would be more hurtful – if we actually felt like it was in our hands as the players. Yeah. We don't really feel like that, bro. Like we, you know, like when, when Patriots fans, they try to talk smack. I'm like, bro, I, we, that don't even, my feelings aren't even hurt uh, from y'all. I'm, I'm more hurt about our own selves. Really? That's the part that hurts because everybody know what we should have did. But the fact that we didn't do it, I can't control that. That ain't our fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we don't like, man, I tell you what, man, like I remember losing in the in the state championship game in high school. I lost the semifinals my senior year. I remember going to a bowl. Uh, we went to our first bowl game in college in 2011 in 30 plus years as an institution. And we lost by a touchdown. Mm. Those games hurt way more than that loss in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Don't you know? I'm like, you can talk as much smack as you. I'm talking smack with you. To be honest, I feel like a patriot, damn near. Hey, Robert. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think of the play call though? I mean, obviously we know what should have happened, but essentially when you saw everything lined up and, and everything unfolded, what did you think? What were your initial thoughts? Um, I I didn't I don't I didn't think. You know what I mean? Because I you know I'm not gonna like bash the coaching staff or nothing like that. It's all good. It is what it is. But when we broke the huddle, you know, I think everybody in their minds felt like we were going to run the ball. When we broke the huddle, we were in shotgun. In my mind, I said, okay, we're in shotgun. We must be running read zone, which is give the ball to Marshawn on the inside zone or Russell is going to pull it and go around the corner. That, that I, I would have bet everything in my life that that was the call for, for sh- like without a doubt. And I'm sure that there were other guys on the sidelines who felt the same way. 
Yep. Like the play before was outside zone under center. Mike Robb in the game, fullback, or maybe he was in a single back. We get nine yards down to the one-yard line, right? Okay. So we break the huddle this time. We in shotgun. I'm like, okay. We're running read zone for sure. Like, it's, it's, it's like no doubt. You feel me? And, uh, you know, he pulled up to pass the ball, and it's just, you know, the rest is history. You feel me? And so, uh, you know, that that part of it hurts. But, you know, you have to give – you have to give the Patriots a lot of credit, especially because the play came off – like the play that they made defensively came off film study. You have to appreciate that. They knew – when we lined up in that formation, there were only a couple plays that we ran out of that. And so they were able to anticipate that ahead of time from film study. And from that standpoint, you know, you got to tip your hat, man. You got to tip your hat to the Patriots for that. That's dope. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't know, but Brendan Brown made that play. Former CR Brendan Brown, he the one, he got the jam. I, I forgot the receiver. I don't know if it was Curse or somebody. He got the jam on him and then Malcolm Butler made the play. Yeah. Yeah. And Brandon Browner, he, you know, and, and Malcolm, you know, he talked about seeing it on film, but Brandon, we, you know, Brandon has seen the play up and, uh, you know, up close and personal as a Seahawk. You feel me? Uh, that was always one of our bread and butters down there in the, in the goal line area, man. So, you know, usually we would only do it uh, during a, uh, on a two point conversion, but, you know, we decided to to throw it in and that's what it is. Great insight on the polarizing play. And yes, it is. And, you know, it's crazy. I read a book, right, uh, written by Michael Lombardi. You know, he's been a general man. He's been a general manager for a couple of teams in the NFL. But th- that book, it's called Gridiron, Gridiron Genius. He's yeah. talking about Bill Parcells. Okay. And he said exactly that, that they brought in that. In fact, I think that Malcolm Butler got benched. I, I, I believe the play or because he allowed them to get that far or allowed uh he allowed you guys to get an insight insight that deep into the that close to the end zone and so but he specifically they 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 rushed them back outside because they knew that he could make that play because they knew exactly the play that you guys were going to run because right. it was all film study from bill parcells which is great insight that knowing that you know that hey it wasn't it wasn't by chance or by luck. It was by film study. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. I mean, you can see it, it. It it jumps off the tape. You know, Malcolm anticipated that Brandon knew that he what he needed to do, which was to be physical. He's always been a physical corner. That was actually one of the things that made him great, you know. And so he's like, listen, if I can get if I can jam up curse right here and he can't get to where he needs to get, Malcolm is going to jump it, you know. And so and that's what happened. You know, and so, yeah, for us as players, the Seahawks, man, we look at that. You're like, man, you got to tip your hat to that, man. We, I'm not even mad. I'm not mad at all. It, it, it is what it is. Now, the locker room after the game, that could be a 30 for 30 itself. And I'm Ooh. not going to get into details about what that was going on because that's private. That's in the locker room. But I will say it, 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 was, it, it was more crazy than any reality. You want to talk about reality show TV? It was the locker room. It was the it was the visiting team locker room after that after that loss for sure. It was some crazy shit going on in there. 
Well, sure. you, guys, you guys did have some some big time uh, names. I mean, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. I mean, the, the, these names are, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're well known. Uh, they've made news recent. You know what I mean? So it, it's... Uh, it, yeah, we it, have the personalities. Yeah, you, <laughs> the personalities are, are for real. Michael, Michael Bennett. MB, yeah. I mean, listen, Bruce, right. I, I mean, come on. The list goes on and on. It just messed up the whole vibe, man, because I love me some Arizona. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, I used to, man, I trained in Arizona for the combine coming out as a rookie. I still had connections out there. Like, I used to go to Arizona all the time, especially early in my career in the offseason. Like, AZ was my spot, bro. Yeah. So we like, man, we about to get this stuff. AZ about to be lit. It's not like New York. But <laughs> AZ low-key goes hard. You know what I mean? It's like, Man, uh, it messed up the whole vibe. We weren't even trying to do nothing, you know. Like, <laughs> just like <laughs> we got the homies and the family in town. We just trying to like, and we thinking like in my mind, I'm like, man, don't nobody, don't take this person. I'm like, don't nobody want to party with the Patriots, man. <laughs> don't nobody want to party with the Patriots. They, they even got you just mentioned all the names we had on our on our team. Like they, you know, what I'm saying like, come on, bro. Like it, it'd have been lit with us. Like Pages, like okay, they cool, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? They go out in their suits and ties and shit. You know what I mean? Like, man, we would have been. It would have been lit. It's all good though. It's all good. Yeah, I think you said it well, man. And then you're like just to kind of go back on Brandon Brown. I mean, that guy's huge, six four, I believe. He was right? a big dude, man. Six. I remember he told me when I was a rookie. He was like, yeah, man. He used to talk super aggressive. Yeah, man. He was like, Turbo, man, you got a lot of power. You just don't know it yet, man. You don't even know what you got right now yet, but you'll learn. You'll learn. You know, he used to like kind of, you know, take me under his wing a little bit. Like Brandon was cool, man. Hella funny. He used to talk super aggressive all the time. Yeah, man. You know, went outside, man. Went and got some, went upstairs, got something to eat. I'm like, bro, why are you talking like, so aggressively all the time like that you know what i'm saying like you know it's cool Calm I, down. I was trying to jump into uh into the draft class but now that that you remind me that it's crazy because i remember hearing that brandon brown and brandon browner and darrell revis actually got into an actual they were teammates i believe with the patriots and yeah and sure. they, and they threw blows. They threw blows. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't BB know. was always ready to throw blows with somebody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who won, man, but for Darrell Rivas, he was always ready to throw blows with somebody. That was crazy. But uh, you guys do have some reminiscence, right? Uh, it looks like this year uh, the Seahawks did uh, concentrate on rebuilding that that secondary. Tariq Woolen. Wow. I mean. He's from UTSA, kind of that's like a three and a half hour drive north of uh, where I live in Texas. Uh, San Antonio is the sixth largest city in the United States. Uh, so that's that's uh, Tariq Woolen. Uh, you guys drafted him, I believe, in the fifth round. I thought he was going to go second round. But, I mean, he's at almost 6'4", and he ran, uh, I think, a 4'26 in the 40. He's a converted wide receiver, so... I expect big things for him, and and that's gonna be a name that to to for a lot of, uh, for a lot of the twelves to pay attention to this this season. I think that he's gonna play often and early. Yeah, we'll see how he we'll see how he fares. You know, we'll see how he fares. We know that uh, Sherm was a six round pick, and so you can you can find great value later in the draft. Kobe Bryant was another guy at the cornerback position that the Seahawks 
drafted and a lot of a lot of people he seems to be really confident in himself and a lot of people are are high on him uh but we're talking about rookies you know and so you know you got to go out there you got to do it you got to prove yourself um and uh you have to be able to do it day in and day out because the league is infamous on the fact that when they say uh you know when they say uh you know it's about today uh, it, it really is. It really is. Like, well, you could have had a great practice yesterday. It don't matter what you're going to do today. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how those rookies, um, how they fare. For sure, for sure. And, and just to, I guess, end it all, uh, I guess if you can, tell us a little bit about running for you. Yeah. Um, so um, my two older sisters, one passed away when she was 21 she had MS. I was a young boy. I was about five. And uh, my other older sister was born with a severe form of cerebral palsy. And so she couldn't bend uh, at the waist or move any of her limbs or anything like that. She could only move her head side to side, you know, and um, and she couldn't speak either. You know, she was like a baby, basically her entire life. And so she would just kind of make noise like a baby, laugh, cry you know, make noise and things like that. And and her life expectancy was only five years. Uh, but she recently passed away in 2019. She lived till she was 39 years old, actually. And so she was the strongest person in our family. Uh, and so my foundation is geared towards supporting people with those two diseases just because, you know, I grew up, you know, I live with those, uh, you know, diseases affecting my family and being a part of my family. Uh, my entire life. And so, uh, you know, that's what we, that's what we do. I support other charities that are supporting the same causes. And I do a ton of charity events, both in my hometown and my alma mater uh, up in Logan, Utah, like I mentioned. And I just love spending time with the community, giving back. And it's cool because we do this basketball event and I'm not going to get too much into it because I'll talk about it forever. And, but like the head coaches for both teams will be like somebody who has cerebral palsy or MS and, you know, we, we uh, give them some notoriety and stuff like that, you know, throughout the game and especially after the game. And, you know, we, uh, it's cool. You know, the alumni is involved. It's an alumni game and we have like one special guest that we invite to be a part of the team. And Frank Gore came the first year. He was our special guest the first year. Russell Wilson was this, the guest second year. And, uh, Bobby Wagner came the third year along with my boy Will Clay, who's a four-time Olympian for the USA track team. And uh, then we had to cancel for two years because of COVID, but we just brought it back this last year, and uh, we weren't able to secure a special guest. But um, we are looking forward to year number five this upcoming March 23, man. So, amongst other events that we do, man. So um, it's uh, it's a blessing to be able to be in position to give back to your community. Robert Turbo, it was a true pleasure. Thank you for all the great insights, man. I, I really appreciated my time with you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me, man. Till yeah, next Robert, time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us for a little bit and chatting and hoping we can catch up with you uh, during the football season. And thank you, everyone out there, for watching and listening. Uh, have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, fellas. You too.
Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.